You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello, and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today, the topic of our podcast is embracing our vulnerability. I had a few people come forward after my last couple podcasts commenting on the vulnerability that I was showing in these podcasts as I was revealing my own struggles and my own pain. I think a lot of people, they listen to my podcast and get this image that I've overcome, you know, so much, which I have. I've overcome so much, but, you know, it's a continuing journey and being willing to be more vulnerable and more open and more honest is part of that journey. Each time that I do a podcast, I have to reach for that vulnerability inside of myself to really speak from the heart. Sometimes that can be challenging. And I know that I'm not alone there whenever any of us, whether you're in the public eye through being a blogger or YouTuber or uh, social media, you know, whether you have a presence there or whether it's just with friends and family, we have to be willing to embrace our vulnerability. And that's really what I want to talk about today. It takes a lot of courage to talk about something so intimate and painful in our lives. In fact, it takes a lot of courage to release anything to the world, whether it be a podcast, a book, a musical CD, an article, that I've poured my heart and soul into. And I know that that's the truth for most people, that when they are ready to express something to the world or even to people close to them, it can take a lot of courage. I know that I'm aware that a lot of people can't receive this vulnerability. And many people will attack us when we put ourselves out there. Being attacked for expressing how I feel or expressing my soul or talking about my journey has been a common thing that I've had to deal with. But the more I understand the dynamic behind the attacks, the more I can find the courage to put myself out there anyway and let the cards fall where they will. I've developed a little bit of a thicker skin where I won't allow the criticisms and attacks of others to prevent me from using my voice and expressing my truth. Vulnerability is the enemy of the narcissist. It's something that they attack because they fear it in themselves, so they attack it in others. There's no compassion. There's no empathy. Those who are sensitive and vulnerable are prey to the narcissist. The sensitive, vulnerable ones become the scapegoats, the one where the narcissist projects his or her own unhealed wounds onto. 
the one to unleash their burdens onto and the one who gets banished into the wilderness as I I've been talking about more as the role of the scapegoat and I probably will talk about that more because it really feels like this is something that's that's up on the stage of life right now is there's a lot of division there's a lot of polarization and scapegoats are are having to heal that role that they've been playing when you grow up as a scapegoat one might shut down and be afraid to express how they feel i know for myself i speak out about a lot of things but there are some things that scare me to talk about the things that are the most risky that are the most personal the things that i could be attacked for saying Many years ago, I followed a blogger who said that each time he went to write an article, he would find the most vulnerable, scary thing to talk about, and then he would write about that. He explained how there's something really powerful about allowing ourselves to be that raw, that vulnerable. It makes us real, and people really migrate towards that because I think we're we're lacking that in our society. We're lacking that ability to put ourselves out there to be raw, to be vulnerable. And so it's really refreshing when we see it in others. And it's comforting in some way. It gives us permission in some way to allow that part of ourselves to come forward. I realize that although some of you may be bloggers or YouTubers or have a following on social media, Many of you aren't in a position to put yourselves out there publicly. Still, there can be the fear to be vulnerable in your social circles with your friends and your family. If you're the scapegoat in your family, you can't be vulnerable with this family because they will find fault with you for having feelings. Feelings are very taboo in a narcissistic family system. How dare you have feelings becomes the theme. Brene Brown is one of the leading pioneers when it comes to talking about vulnerability. In fact, she makes jokes about how when she tells people she's going to speak on vulnerability, they go running for the hills. Vulnerability becomes a dirty word and nobody really wants to go there because vulnerability exposes our sensitivity, our feelings, our fears, and our deepest secrets. It's what allows us to truly connect with each other. It's like we're showing our human to another human. Still, in narcissistic society, this kind of depth and connection is taboo. We shouldn't have feelings, let alone talk about them. Feelings are something to avoid, suppress, repress, medicate, and project onto others. Lord forbid you talk about how something makes you feel. It seems that so many people don't want to expose their true feelings for fear of how they will be perceived. Maybe they will be seen as weak, fragile, unstable, or even crazy. I have a lot of clients that are coming out in narcissistic relationships that 
were accused of being crazy by the narcissist in their life because they had been bottling their feelings up for so long and when they finally let them out, it comes out in somewhat of a crazy way. And that's what happens when we suppress them. But for a narcissist, expressing your feelings at all can be perceived as crazy because the narcissist denies feelings. They deny them in this themselves. They deny them in you. The thing about narcissistic society is that it's a pretender society. Everybody pretends to be something that they're not and they hide who they are. They hide their true feelings, thoughts, and beliefs for fear that they will be judged. And in some people, they completely deny. They have no awareness of what they're feeling because they are in denial. So when I talk about narcissistic society, I'm not saying that everybody in society is a full-blown pathological narcissist, but full-blown pathological narcissists are born from narcissistic society. We are all products of narcissistic society. Our society is appearance and accomplishment focused. We're more concerned on how things look than how things really are. We believe we need to paint on a smile and pretend to be happy. In our society, we pretend to be happy in our marriages, our jobs, and our high mortgaged homes. Some people don't even question their level of happiness and contentment in life. Some people don't question how connected they feel and how authentic their relationships are because narcissistic society doesn't encourage this kind of questioning. Just as narcissistic personality disorder is a disorder where one erects a false self to hide the true self, narcissistic society erects a facade of perfection to cover up the imperfections. We live in a society that hides behind a facade in order to appear normal and accepted. Those who burn the facade and step forward in their authenticity shake up society. They're the threats to the system. And in so many ways, society wants to burn those who don't follow the unspoken rules. I think this has always been my cross to carry. I've never fit into narcissistic society. And if you've been following my work for a while, you know I had an eating disorder as a teenager because I couldn't fit into the world around me. I couldn't suppress how I felt very masterfully, although I did try. I continued to get the message that who I was was not okay. There was something wrong with me. I didn't belong here. In my adulthood, I finally found my tribe, although it took time to find them. They are the artists, the musicians, the writers, the seekers, the healers, the minimalists, the nomads, and those recovering from narcissistic society, or those who are rebelling against narcissistic society. I'm not the only one who doesn't have a relationship with 
an adult child or certain family members because in their eyes, we are strange, we are different, and sometimes we're a threat to their image of themselves. Another part of being vulnerable is to talk to someone about how you feel about something they've said or done. And talking to someone about issues in your relationship with them can take a tremendous amount of courage. Most people just sweep the issues under the rug because it's easier, it feels safer. Or they blurt them out in disrespectful or abusive ways. But really talking from a feelings perspective can take a lot of courage. I remember trying to get through to someone in my life who flipped a switch and stopped interacting with me. And I thought we might be able to talk and work out our differences. And I told her that I help people resolve their issues for a living and it's important to me to be able to resolve the issues in my own backyard, so to speak. And although I initiated the conversation with really great intentions and a belief that we could resolve our differences and focus on what was important, it didn't go as planned. Some of you might relate to this. She snapped at me with, you are not my counselor and I don't need therapy from you. So see, it was completely taken out of context because I was asking for vulnerability. I was asking for the ability to meet face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and resolve what was going on between us. I was confused because I didn't understand how she could take my request to resolve our issues to mean that I wanted to offer her therapy. I just wanted to resolve whatever issues she was having with me. Maybe there was something I said or that I did to upset her. Maybe there was a misunderstanding. And maybe if we talked about it, we could work through it and heal the issues between us. Sadly, I came to realize that she had no interest in having a good relationship with me. She just wanted that relationship gone. I was a mirror for her that she couldn't look into. And this was really difficult for me to understand because the naive part of me wants to believe that everybody wants to get along with each other, with those that are in their social circles, family systems, and the workplace, if possible. It hadn't occurred to me that some people don't want to resolve issues. They need those issues. They thrive on the chaos and the drama. And it gives them a sense of power to annihilate you. They want to scapegoat you. They need that person to hate or to focus negatively on. They want someone to blame for how they're feeling. They want to send you out into the forest to die alone. That gives them a feeling of satisfaction and power. So that would make them happy. And I couldn't wrap my mind around this. But this, my friends, is narcissistic society. You see this quite a lot in our society, this dynamic of I need to hurt you to feel good. I don't want to resolve things with you because then you can't be my punching bag anymore. This is the crucible of narcissistic society. Those who deny their own feeling selves, those who deny their shadow, project it onto those who unconsciously expose the shadow to them or unearth their feelings.
This was always my gift and my curse. I was the one who seemed to trigger other people's repressed feelings and shadow just by showing up. I didn't have to do or say anything. I just had to be there. Just look at them. When I was just three years old, I went to my par- with my parents to a neighbor's house. And the neighbor girl, she was around my age. She came right up to me and she pushed me down. And of course, I wasn't expecting it. So I just stood up and I looked at her funny and I said, why did you do that? You know, however, I could say that as a three-year-old. And she scowled at me and she pushed me down again and I fell down again. And I stood up again and asked her why she did that. And she pushed me down a third time before I finally realized that this conversation wasn't going anywhere. At three years old, I was this little girl's punching bag. And I always remembered that because it was one of my first experiences of being pushed down for no reason. It was like I didn't do anything to her. I just showed up with my parents and I was all wanting to play. You know, I wanted to, you know, here's a girl my age. Let's go play. Let's go swing. Let's go have fun. But she was upset by my presence for some reason. When I was in fifth grade, the class bully came up to me in the hallway and once again, for no reason, he just punched me as hard as he could. And I was so caught off guard that I fell. And I looked up at him and I said, why did you do that? And his response was, because you're so ugly. And of course, that's pretty hurtful at any age. But to my fifth grade self, it was was devastating. I realize now that somehow my presence exposed his own inner ugliness. He was really fighting with himself, but I was that mirror that brought what he hated about himself to the surface. And of course, when we're fifth graders or we're three years old, we have zero understanding of what's going on on the inside. And even at 50 and 60 years old, Many people have no clue what's going on on the inside. They've never taken that path of self-exploration. But this dynamic followed me through life. And of course, I grew up believing there was something seriously wrong with me. And I know that a lot of you can relate to this. It wasn't until I was 19 years old and in therapy for my eating disorder that my therapist set me straight. Thank God for this man. Steve, thank you. He saved my life. Because after 19 years of being pushed down, hit, kicked, spit on, and made fun of, I was finished. I didn't want to live anymore. I just assumed that my life was not worth living. I didn't deserve to be here. I wasn't welcome here. I wasn't wanted. When I sat in the therapist's office with my family, because he invited my whole family in, the therapist asked each member of my family why they were there or why they believed that they were there. And they each said it was because I had a problem. I was the problem. And after they were dismissed from the room, the therapist told me, you know, you're not the problem here. 
You're the one that feels the problem. You're the one who can't fit in to the current system where feelings are not wanted and welcomed. So he explained to me I was like the leak in the hose, the one ex that expressed the family problem. I was definitely an anomaly, an enigma, something that people feared and wanted to destroy. Yet inside I was just a kid who wanted to be loved and accepted like any other kid. How could I have known that my very existence would be so triggering to so many people? The result was my growing up feeling that I was somehow bad and unworthy. Even after years of therapy, I still struggled with the core wound of unworthiness. And most people who come to me for help are struggling with that core wound of unworthiness. After so many toxic relationships in adulthood, I began to learn more about myself and learn the importance of self-love and self-acceptance. I learned to stand up for myself and stop allowing people to push me down, to treat me badly, and make me feel like there was something bad or wrong about me. In fact, one of my triggers was when people did find fault with me and suggest that I was somehow a bad person, and this started to make me angry. I was tired of defending myself to people and trying to somehow prove my worthiness. I'd grown up and now I was a force to be reckoned with. I'd finally come to a place where I could no longer defend my worthiness to people. I knew who I was. I knew I triggered people. I knew people needed to scapegoat and blame me. I knew I was sensitive and vulnerable and open. I knew that people either loved me or they hated me. There was a, not a lot going on in between the two spectrums. Fortunately, I have a pretty strong network of friends in my community who fully support me. Through many challenges and difficult situations, I learned who my true friends were, and I learned who my friends were not. And there were quite a few great people who showed up for me. We find our tribe eventually. We find the people who love and support us and welcome us as the bright lights that we are, people that aren't threatened by our sensitivity, that aren't threatened by our light. And we leave behind the ones who judge us and find fault with us, the ones who banish us to the forest. Our sensitivity and vulnerability is a beautiful thing, but it often triggers the pain, the fear, the jealousy, and the insecurity in others. Those of us who are deeply sensitive, aware, empathic, open, and vulnerable are targets, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. We are lights that shine into the dark shadows of humanity and expose what is lying there. And what if this is our purpose for being here? What if this is why we came? What if this is our role? to be the, the lights that expose the shadow of humanity. Not an easy path to walk, but if you understand this, if you understand that that empathy that you possess, that's only 20% of the population, 
who have this level of awareness and sensitivity and empathy. Not to say other people don't have it, but you have it to a certain degree. There's a lot of people that have it so strongly. They're very sensitive. They're very aware. And so they see things that other people don't see, and they become the targets. So what if your purpose for being one of the 20% is to shine a light into the darkness so that we as a humanity can grow? Sometimes I like to refer to the sensitives of society as the light warriors because we're so often attacked for our light. We're so often mistreated, avoided, shamed, blamed, and cast out. And if we find a way to be resurrected again and stand strong in ourselves, we hold that sword of light and become defenders of the flame. We no longer allow people to throw their garbage at us. And we don't allow our voices to be suppressed any longer. We speak out. We speak our truth, and we deal with the consequences of speaking our truth. We're not bad people. We're not unworthy. We're light warriors. We shine the light on the darkness and expose it. We hold the love even for those who condemn us and find fault with us. We feel our pain and transmute it to greater light. It's not an easy path but it's our path. When you naturally migrate towards vulnerability or you're someone who's trying to allow yourself to be more vulnerable, you're on a path to being real and authentic. You're not trying to hide behind a facade of perfection. You're not focused on being liked and approved of. Instead, you focus on being who you really are and honoring how you feel, even if how you feel isn't good. The beauty of being real and vulnerable is that you leave the world of the pretender behind. You no longer need to pretend to be something that you're not. Instead, you give yourself full permission to be who you are. And develop the attitude that if you don't like who I am, it's your loss. If you do like who I am, then great. We can connect at a heart level and be real with one another. We learn to let the people go who don't invest any effort into their connection with us. Relationships are two-way streets. And you don't need to bend over backwards to prove yourself, or to keep a relationship alive no matter who it is. Both people must invest in keeping a connection alive. And when one person drops out or opts out, the other needs to let them go. I've let a lot of people go in my lifetime. Some I let go because they didn't treat me well. Some I let go of because they were vampiric and were a drain on my energy. And some I let go of simply because I didn't resonate with them anymore. Our beliefs and paths were going to completely different directions. Some people I let go of because the trust was broken. When we let people go who we don't have a healthy, nurturing relationship with, 
we're making space in our lives for others to come in who we can have a healthy, nurturing relationship with. One thing I've learned about vulnerability is that if the people in your life don't treasure your vulnerable side, if they don't treasure your light, they don't need to be in your life. Anyone who criticizes, finds fault with, makes fun of, or makes any kind of suggestion that who you are is not okay should be cut loose. We don't need them. They're just heavy baggage. And why would we want to be in a community that scapegoats us, that sends us out into the wild alone to die? I have a story that I created about the scapegoat. And that is that when the scapegoat went out into the wild, he didn't die. He might have felt like he was going to die because he was all alone and he didn't have any support. He didn't have his herd. But then as he walked deeper into the forest, he found a community that was made entirely of all the scapegoats that had come before him. All the goats that had been loaded up with the burdens of the community and sent out to die, they had found each other and they formed their own community. And they were laughing and dancing and supporting each other. And so that scapegoat didn't go out there and die in the forest. That scapegoat found his tribe. So remember that you're not alone. There are others. And you've got to think about the 20% that there are about 20% of the population are energetically sensitive or empaths, highly sensitive people that fit into that category. You know, the artists are the people who tell the truth through their art. They don't hold back who they are. They express themselves truthfully. And so as you see all the beautiful art in society, it expresses the feelings. It's like the artists are the ones that express the feelings of humanity, the feelings of society, and that may even predict the future in some way or show us our past. And the artist is often, and now this isn't always going to be the case, but a lot of times it is where the artist is a sensitive, is an empath, is the one that doesn't fit in to the rest of society. So if you're an artist and you relate to that, just remember that there, there's something very powerful about that expression that is your art, whatever it is, because there's a lot of different forms of art that we have. So once again, vulnerability expresses your deepest truth, your deepest feelings. And the more vulnerable you are, the more real you are, and the more capable you are of connecting on a deep heart level with others. I feel that we should all strive to be 
as vulnerable as we can so that we can be real. And when we can be real, we can truly live our own authentic life, a life that is true to ourselves, that is in alignment with our purpose for coming here. And that's where we find our true happiness, and this is where we find our tribe. You're not going to find your tribe when you're a pretender. You've got to let go of pretending and be who you are, and that will lead you to the people who can truly embrace you. So I hope that this has been helpful for you today. If you would like to find out more about my work, please visit my website at NarcissismFree.com. And I will see you in the next podcast. Have a great day.